Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I could, like, wear a boa. You could call me Dick Eisen or something like that. I could come up with a persona. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Dangerous Dick Eisen. What do you, you know, what do you think? I'm shooting my shot. I'm going YOLO right here with Stephanie McMahon. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ben Lyons. Earlier on the show. Golf Digest host and producer Hallie Ledbetter. Still to come. Your phone calls and more. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Ben Lyons. Great to be with you. Hour number three, the Rich Eisen Show rolls on. Ben Lyons in for Rich. You can hit us up at Rich Eisen Show at I am Ben Lyons, 844-204-RICH. Really happy to be in with you guys this week. Be here uh, yeah, buddy. all, yeah, all week long. Did it last week making radio. We're back on Peacock this week with the whole crew. You guys are some of those guys who I, I feel like I know you through listening to the show. <laughs> I follow your social. We've crossed paths once or twice in whatever circle, but like I don't really know you guys, and you guys don't <laughs> really know me. <laughs> it's like that episode of Atlanta. Like, I know y'all. But I don't know y'all. <laughs> and like, and I, I wonder if this if this is the same for Rich. You know, Rich has interviewed some of the biggest stars in the world. I come here to the studio. I see your wonderful photos you have yeah. in the hallways, honoring these great memories you've been able to create here. Jody Foster was in here once. Yeah. Paul Rudd, who's done a lot of interviews with Rich over the years. But I wonder if Rich gets more starstruck when he sees a random Jets lineman from the, the 90s. <laughs> yeah, like how would Rich react if, I don't know, Joe Klecko came walking right. in here one day. Right, yeah, Joe came point. in here. Good point. They, they yeah, tell know. Jody, we've got some more snacks in the green room, Jody Foster. <laughs> like Mark Gastineau is here, and I need to talk to him about the sack exchange. Right, right. So, like, you know, I've been very lucky over the years covering film, covering the Oscars. I, I covered the Dark Knight Junket. We'll get into the Dark Knight yeah, anniversary in a little bit. And I, I, I appreciate it. I love it. It's my job. But, like, being in the presence of the only Cowboys, Sixers, wrestling, Colin Morikawa fan like TJ, <laughs> I genuinely, I'm genuinely starstruck. Show nervous. up and win. That's what we do here. <laughs> Not going to lie. Not going to lie. It is kind of awe-inspiring, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, it I, is. Yeah, I First it. of all, it's like, it's like getting like great tickets to a, a sporting event. You're like, wow, the guys are bigger up close. Like you're a bigger dude. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. this guy's yeah. got something going here. Six, three, you know, you know, so yeah, a lot I, of quarantine weight. I put don't on. know. It's just, it's, it's, I guess it's about who, you know, is a star to you. You know, I covered the season exactly. one DVD release of nine Oh two one Oh, Oh, of course, McKay was down in Baja. I wasn't there, but when Walsh came in, <laughs> lost it. So I lost it, bro. Man. 
And I also lost it the first time I met our next guest. He posted me up in a in a basketball game once to show me that I had no chance of ever even thinking about being in the NBA. And that's Ryan Hollins, who played for 10 teams, never played for the Knicks. But I wonder if, if they ever reached out, Ryan. You ever get a call from, from uh, the, the New York Knicks about your services potentially during your 10-year NBA career? They did, and they, they asked me to take a pay cut. They they sent me a leather bag and said, there's nothing like being a New York Knick. I said, I'll pass. So, <laughs> it, man, I've never been introduced by the guy who's played for everybody but the Knicks. Only you. <laughs> well, it, it is great to have you on during the NBA Finals as we, as we anxiously await who will win a ring, Bobby Porter, Sir Langston Galloway. But, Ryan, when you look at Game 6 coming up, Phoenix on that flight, that Southwest flight from Phoenix to Milwaukee, what could they possibly be talking about to feel any sense of confidence going into this coronation of Giannis in the Deer District and the Bucks winning their first title in, I don't know, 50 years? Here's the reality. Chris Paul didn't play well, and now Milwaukee has gotten to a point where uh, they're playing good enough with their, we can call it a, a big three, a semi-three, whatever you'd like to say, where you know, Phoenix has to play well. You need Chris Paul and Booker in the same game. We've seen Chris Paul play well. We've seen Booker play well. But we haven't seen it together. Keep in mind also, Phoenix was in a situation where they get out to a big lead and then not just do it, they get out to a big lead. They had a chance to close the game out or at least tie it at the end, and they turn over the basketball. So in, in game four, what happens? They get offensive rebounded. They give up the, the foul line. And then it's this last game, they turn over the ball down the stretch when they need a bucket. So these are fixable mistakes ultimately at the end of the day. And I thought the boneheaded play was Chris Paul. They're only down one. Chris Paul fouls Giannis and makes the worst play in basketball and gives them an and one with the game on the line. You know, let them dunk the basketball or, you know, if you're going to take them out of the air, take them out of the air. I don't, I don't know. But I think just let the guy dunk it at that point, maybe contest it, but don't give up an and one. So, Phoenix just, they're showing their inexperience at this time. I thought they definitely played hard enough to win. They gave themselves a chance, but, you know, they're going to have to shore up the little things because this isn't the same boneheaded Milwaukee team we're used to playing that's just bigger, stronger, faster. They're actually playing together. And I'm, when I say that, I mean the adjustments the Bucks made was just play harder. That's not the adjustment in the NBA Finals. And I thought they... Bud did a much better job coaching than the guys bought into the ball movement, and that's something we were seeing from Phoenix earlier on and not from Milwaukee. Ryan Hollins joins the show, 10-year NBA veteran. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Hollins posted me up once in a charity basketball game. Ryan, when you look at the, the, uh, the Phoenix Suns and the others, Mikael Bridges had 27 in game number two, goes for four in game number three, seven in game number four. How can the others travel to Milwaukee? Can the Suns get anything out of Cam Johnson, campaign, maybe even an LG kick sighting? What do they do to get some support from the role players? And why don't role players travel well? Well, it's all about the stars. And, and the biggest thing that the road, the road starts to bring out is the hustle points. I mentioned it earlier. The Bucks were plus 17, okay, on the offensive glass. They were minus 17. The Suns as far as turnovers were concerned, those are the hustle points, the little points. You've got to, they have to make those efforts, and that's going to be the big difference in the game. So you ask, what do the role players do? Those are the controllables that the role players give. You know, I remember playing with the Boston Celtics, and I'm a role player. My job was to make sure Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen, those guys were comfortable 
So they've got to defend. They've got to dive on the loose balls. They've got to gang rebound. They have to make all those little things so that Chris Paul and Devin Booker can be the best versions of themselves, and especially on the road. I've never been more uncomfortable in my own skin when I'm in the presence of Kevin Garnett because that guy's really intense and says some wild things. It just makes me feel really weird. What's it like to have the job of having to make Kevin Garnett comfortable? Hey, man, he's one of the best teammates on the entire planet. As uncomfortable as he makes Ben Lyons feel for his comments against Carmelo, we're not going to dig into those. <laughs> going against the New York Knicks, that's a thing for you. I know it's a thing for you, Ben, okay? But ultimately, man, he's one of the best teammates ever. And all he does is infuse confidence into his team, and he's just an old-school, hard-nosed guy. There was never a playoff, never a shoot-around we took off, never a practice out of place. So uh, I tell you one thing, you, you would love – to get in the booth with Kevin Garnett one day, man. He might turn Ben Lyons into a monster. Just forgive him. He was never a Nick, man. Forgive him. It's not his fault that the Knicks, you know, didn't go ahead and get him in free agency or off the back. I don't know, man. But forgive Kevin Garnett. He's the best teammate I've ever had, and I owe him a lot. I see a lot of KG and Giannis in terms of the intensity, in terms of the, the way they lift up their teammates. I remember the footage of game, I think it was two, when Giannis is talking on the bench to his guys, trying to get them going. Um, how does how does Giannis make others better? Is it with his actual play on the court, or is it just his aura, his presence, his intensity? You see a guy, given the effort that Giannis gives, you don't have any other excuse other than play hard. You know, we can fault Giannis for the free throws, you know, the three ball, you know, the you know maybe lack of consistency in scoring, but you can never lack his effort, man. And he brings it every night. And, and when you see a guy of his stature, what he's accomplished, you know, one of the rare two-time MVPs, one of the rare players to have an MVP and defensive player of the year in the same darn year, you got to give a lot of credit, a lot of credit to Giannis Antetokounmpo for what he does. And you got to bring it. And this is your star player diving on the floor. This is your star player who hyperextended the heck out of his knee and then came out and played as if as if it never happened. You know what I'm saying? A New York Nick hyperextends his knee. He's out for the entire season. Giannis comes back a couple of days later, Nick. So Ben, you just, you gotta so Ben, you gotta really take your hat off to Giannis and he's leading by example and you know the skill set and all that stuff is starting to come along. He's not quite there yet, but his effort is infectious on the floor, Ben. Ryan, if a New York Nick hyperextends his knee, he gets a four-year extension and $50 million. Uh, ben Lyons <laughs> filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show, joined by Ryan Hollins. When you were watching the game the other night, Ryan, and Giannis was on the free throw line, and they cut to a Phoenix Suns fan who was counting $100 bills, did you think, how does this guy make his money? I was extremely confused. I don't know what that was. I, I don't know. It, it was like a weird flex. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I, I was... Phoenix doesn't know how to act. Let's be honest. They haven't been in this situation in the NBA Finals in a very long They don't know how to act. They're punching people in the stands. By, by the way, shout out Suns and Four Guy. You know, he no, not shout out Suns and Four Guy. No <laughs> shout out Suns and Four Guy. He's got a bobblehead. Enough with the shout outs. Dude is a legend, man. Suns and Four. But the Phoenix Suns fans don't know how to act. Have you noticed? They're acting like Nick fans all of a sudden, man. I don't know what's going on. No, see, Nick fans would never coordinate their T-shirts. You give well, Phoenix you just, fans to say, this section wear off. orange, no, this section wear no, no, no. purple. You know how many Chase promotional towels I have? <laughs> Commemorative <laughs> 2011 playoff towels? You, you, Nick fans are on suspension. They're on timeouts after spitting on Trey Young, okay? 
You guys got some. You you guys you guys were flipping cars after one playoff win. Okay, you you got some explaining to do. No, there. I feel you on that. It was something we talked about on the show earlier. It was just how fans like me are just behaving at these uh, these these games. It's absurd. You know, you're for, a much you're a much better Wolverine fan than you are a a, a, a Nick fan. Okay. <laughs> Listen, the, the the Wolverines have had a lot more success thanks to Coach Juwan Howard than, than the Knicks have had. Um, but, but Ryan, you're a guy who played in the NBA 10 years, who would oftentimes you know hear fans shout or you would interact with fans. I know you and Jimmy Goldstein would yuck it up at Clipper <laughs> Games. Um, oh you guys talk God. about your hat collection and your rhinestone boots that you both share. Oh, my gosh. But, but the idea of now here in baseball in the Bronx, a guy's throwing a baseball from left field into Alex Verdugo's back, and you mentioned Trey Young and Kyrie in the water bottle. You know, what's going on with fans and, and reacting to players and, and the interaction? And do you have any, any memories from your days playing where you would get into it with a yokel like me? Yeah, I, you know what? I didn't like the – Sometimes fans get so excited that they feel like they can say and do anything to you when they're very close to you. And sometimes, you know, we've, I've had to give reminders that, hey, man, you, you say the wrong thing. You're, you're only a couple steps away. And I've also kind of had to play mediator. You know, I, I played with Matt Barnes, DeMarcus Cousins, a couple of guys who, you know, will get into the audience. So I've, I've kind of been the buffer of – for the most part, but I just think there's, there's a mix of, and Ben, you mentioned it earlier, there's a mix of social media and there's a mix of COVID and not being able to go to games where a lot of these fans have lost their darn minds. And I do want to throw this out. A lot of the true diehard Knicks fans are not blessed enough to make it to games. A lot of diehard Laker, a lot of diehard fans don't can't afford to get into these playoff games. So, you know, I'll give you some slack. Don't judge a team by the people in the arena. The real fans don't always get to make it in. So, you know, let's not judge everybody by a few bad apples or, you know, a lot of Nick apples. I appreciate that, Ryan. You know, I often say I get the NY, I get the Spike Lee seats, but it's not on the wood. It's like the NYU film student seats. The She's got to have it seat <laughs> so I can touch the Willis Reed jersey that's hanging from the rafters. Oh, Ryan goodness. Hollins joins the show. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Game six is going to be tomorrow night, and I'm so grateful that we get more NBA Finals basketball. I love the stage of the finals. I love the moments. I love the iconic plays that we get to witness that define legacies. When you look across the court at Chris Paul and how it felt after two games, Ryan, this was going to be the coronation of one of your old teammates, one of the great leaders in NBA history, the leaders of the Players Association off the court, just like the celebration of, of plant-based Chris Paul. I mean, beyond meat stock was going on. But now they've lost three in a row, and he's had some sloppy finishes, some bad turnovers. Does the narrative around his legacy, around how we view Chris Paul, really change if, if, they're, if they are not able to get it done in, in Milwaukee? You know, I played with Chris, and I know that's the big monkey on his back is not, you know, getting a championship or making it to the finals. And I think he can only add to his legacy. Uh, I, I'm not among the you know the group that puts him in the top five, even if he wins the championship. Top Chris Paul is not a top five point guard, in my opinion. But there's nothing but respect on his name, man. When you, you think of pick and roll, Chris Paul's name is synonymous with pick and roll. And you know he's been haunted by some of our playoff losses, obviously as he should be. I know the how hard Chris takes these things, but you know he's in a do or die situation. 
We're going to see who Chris is. And I don't think you can fault Chris because he's an undersized guard, did not be able to get a shot off in certain situations. But the turnovers are the ones that are going to con him. So uh, I think he's going to come out and play well, man. He's got his back against the wall. And a lot of stars that we know shine in that scenario. And and, and I will credit you with one thing, Ben. And I, I know you know this as an analyst, as a guy who follows the league. This is very hard to call these finals. You want to know why? Jay Crowder's the only guy with NBA Finals experience, and that was bubble experience. You know, not to disrespect the Lakers championship, but none of these guys have been in the finals before. So we can't say, hey, man, Devin Booker historically goes off in, you know, game sixes. We don't know who they are and what they're going to be. So uh, I'm just intrigued to see what Chris Paul is going to look like in his last chance as a star player in the NBA Finals. I think if he comes back, it's going to be as a role player. But his last chance in this big moment, what is it going to look like? If I don't know anything, I know Chris is going to compete, but I'm interested to see what is up his sleeve. Ryan Hollins joins the show, former teammate of Chris Paul's, the pride of Pasadena, UCLA's own. And I'll leave you with this, Ryan. You know, TJ was very excited this morning because his favorite golfer, Colin Morikawa, won the Open Championship. You know, he comes from Kenyatta Flintridge, which is just a nine iron from hey, where you grew up. So what does Colin's win mean for you on this Monday morning? Listen, man, any, anybody from the San Gabriel Valley, we, we root for, man. I, I was I was part of the – I think in our, in our league was what our Arcadia, Hoover. We didn't play La Kenyatta. We used to play in the La Kenyatta Flintridge tournament. So uh, – you know, any, anybody from the town is big, man. 626 all day, man. Dad, appreciate it, man. That's just big stuff right there, man. Good stuff, Ryan. Appreciate you taking some time, man. Thank you so much. Great to uh, any, great to catch up. Anytime, fella. Hey, 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 man. And don't you have no type of let up. You know, you've been blazing this thing this morning when I get off the air. I've been lying. I'm holding you accountable right now, brother. You've been, you've been, you've been killing it, man. No, we appreciate it. We appreciate you wearing a three-piece suit, only doing it for radio, too, in the company of your own home. So take off the brooch and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks so much, dude. Ryan Hollins right, joins the show. Um, posted me up once. And, uh, man, when you get posted up by an NBA center. I don't care who they are. That's just a different level of basketball. Um, all right, we got uh, we got more show coming up next. We're gonna go down memory lane a little bit. The anniversary of one of the the, the more groundbreaking and, and seminal move, uh, movies of my lifetime, and arguably the greatest comic book movie ever made. Celebrated an anniversary over the weekend. We'll get into it next. It's Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O, O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. You told a story about the genesis of All Right, All Right. Yes. All Right. Yes. Would you please tell that story? Here's where that comes from. So, okay. Days Confused. Yes. Genius film. I'm in the right bar at the right time. Mm-hmm. And a guy goes, hey, you ever done any acting? You might be right, just right for this part. <laughs> Legendary cast director and producer Don Phillips. And I said, yeah, I was in a middle light commercial for about this long, but you know. Maybe I'm, I'm in film school at the time. And he goes, well, come to this address. You might be just right. Pick up the script. I go down, I pick up the script. There's three scenes with three lines. And one of the lines is Wooderson out front of the pool hall. The girls walk by. He checks her out going by. And uh, his buddy says, man, you got to cut that out. You're going to go to jail for that, Wooderson. And Wooderson steps forward and says, no, man, that's what I love about those high school girls. I get older, but they stay the same age. <laughs> Legendary line. I call it a launch pad line. Nice. Like, you're going to say... That unpack anyone, any character who says that and believes it, we can write a book on that guy, right? <laughs> so that was one of the lines. So I go work on those three lines for three weeks. Um, I come back, and they do what's called a makeup and wardrobe test, meaning they're shooting another scene one night. I'm just going to show up. Director's going to step off the set and come and look and go, mm-hmm. great. I approve. Well, he comes and looks. He goes, geez, this is Wooderson. It's great. He goes, listen, uh, you're not scheduled to work tonight, but we're over here at the Top Notch drive through and... You think Wooderson might want to pick up on the redheaded intellectual, Jack? And I'm like, sure. And he goes, want to shoot it? I'm like, sure. So I go get in the car. I shoot my first scene ever in a film. Of your career. Of my career. And um, I had been listening to a lot of 70s rock and roll at that time. And there was a certain live recording of a Jim Morrison concert in like Amsterdam or somewhere where he barks at the crowd, all right, all right, all right, all right, four times real aggressively though. I'm not thinking about that, but this comes back. So I'm in the car and I'm like, who's my man? I'm nervous. I'm about to hear after, who's my man? Who's Wooderson? I said, well, I'm about my car. And I go, well, I'm in my 70 Chevelle. Yes. There's one. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm about getting high. I said, well, Slater's riding shotgun. You know, he's got a Dubois rolled up. <laughs> There's two. And I said, and I'm about rock and roll. And I said, well, I got Nugent Stranglehold in the eight track, man. There's three. And I hear action. And I look up and in my mind, I go, and I'm about chicks. I got three out of four. Let's go get the fourth. All right. All right. All right. Wow. <laughs> That was it. So First words I ever said on screen. First words I ever said. And that was the three affirmations of those three things I had. When they were, there we go.
Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons in for Rich. The Rich Eisen Show rolls on. I want to thank Ryan Hollins uh, for not only dunking on me when he posted me up, but also for chatting a little NBA Finals and sharing some insight on what it was like to be a teammate of Chris Paul's. And during the break here, TJ and I are kind of like dogs at a fire hydrant, kind of sniffing each other out with our Hollywood connections and memories. And we were just saying, if you're out in these streets in Hollywood long enough, chances are you're probably going to have a weird Cuba Gooding story. <laughs> some, so some I'm at this piano well. bar in Santa Monica like eight years ago. We're there because we were just at Sonny McLean's watching some game, and we walked down the street, and all of a sudden he like walks in. and Hey, Cuba Gooding Jr., what's up, man? Show me the money. And he's like, yeah, buying everybody drinks. It was amazing. There you go. <laughs> See, you're out in these Hollywood streets enough. There you go. That's one guy I don't think I have a story on. Oh, come on, TJ. Really? I don't think so. Man, I was just saying, you know, we were talking about the anniversary of the Dark Knight and, mm. and obviously Batman synonymous with Christian Bale for yeah. an entire generation of Batman fans. He's their guy. Yeah. Um, and we were think, throwing around some other Christian Bale movies, and you said that he's probably your favorite actor. Yeah, I mean, you know, not counting the Denzels and the Pacinos and that those guys who are like, you know, they're legend. They're already up there, but... As of someone, you know, not those guys, Bell probably is my guy. I was watching American Psycho last night. Like, man, this guy oh, man, is amazing. And never did the the sellout role, the big payday. It's still the rom com. It's you know? still in the 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 interest of art. It's still in the interest of working with top filmmakers. Yeah. And and that's what made the Dark Knight so special. It's because it's the it's the collision course of of art and commerce of a great filmmaker. And, did you come up with that? Uh, we're talking about the movie. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, the, the, collision the collision course of art and of commerce. Art and commerce. Don't let the like, wrinkly zip-up hoodie geez. from the car fool you. Wow. Like, well, someone must do this for a living. Wow. But that's <laughs> what it is. Because th that is ben an Lines art is like, itself. I touch this. <laughs> <laughs> that's an art into itself, is to create entertainment for a global scale that yeah. audiences across the world can lose themselves in. Like, that is an artistic, you know, uh, skill set to itself. And Christopher Nolan who did a wonderful job with the his first Batman. Like Batman Begins, I often refer to, you know, uh, with athletes and having to get in the lab. If you're sitting at home this summer, if you're James Harden, actually, he's not sitting at home this summer. I don't know how the Wi-Fi is on the boat in Monte Carlo. But if uh, if you're an athlete, sitting at, if you're an NBA player sitting at home this summer and you're watching the coronation of Giannis, you got to get in the lab. You got to get in, you got to get in the gym. You got to work on your bag. You got to get with, Liam Neeson and get the fighting sticks with Ra's al Ghul. Like you gotta Absolutely. get into an underground yes. cave and yep. not know if you're gonna get out. And that's the first half of Batman is just laying the foundation to then allows it to be believable in the Dark Knight and, and the third Batman under the Nolan trilogy for him to, you know, go out there and do these things and be heroic. Like when he's on the steps saving Gotham, going hand to hand with Bane in mm -hmm. Batman's three of the Nolan trilogy. It's believable that hand-to-hand -hand combat because we've seen him in Batman One yeah. do it, right? We've seen him put in the work. You know, we saw we we learned that Giannis the night before his first All-Star game went and did a full shoot around in a practice and was that intense because now we're seeing that intensity on the on the great final stage. But you go back and watch that performance. Heath Ledger, first of all, he's only on screen for about twenty minutes. He's about, the whole movie, you feel his presence. But he dominates, dominates. every single second. Every Maybe 22 minutes tops. I, it'll say somewhere on the World Wide Web what, uh, what it is. But I think it's 20 minutes, and yet you feel his presence throughout the entire film. 
The casting's great. Nolan's casting. He'll throw in a Michael Jai White where you're like, I know that guy. 33 minutes out of the two hours and 32 minute screen. That's time. nothing. That is nothing. Hannibal Lecter, he was on screen for about 20 minutes. Yep. Queen Latifah got an Oscar nom for Chicago. She was on screen for about nine minutes. Overlooked and just right with Common. Great movie. Uh, but I think that <laughs> The Dark Knight holds up now because it's not dependent on the special effects. It wasn't showing off how great the green screen technology right. was. You go back and watch one of those old George Lucas, Hayden Christensen movies. Mm. Ewan McGregor looks like he's running around on a soundstage talking to a ball <laughs> on a stick. Like it's not like the graphics and it was mind blowing back then. But the Dark Knight's rooted in reality. Those are real set pieces. That's the mm -hmm. city of Chicago. They're not on a soundstage in Avatar world or something, you know? And I think that kind of stays with it now that there's been, what, 13 years since the first Dark Knight? 13 since years since released, since the Dark released yesterday, uh, July yeah. 17, uh, 18th, 2008. Hall, little unconventional casting for that role, love interest, but it's real person, is realistic. You know, has a, has a has an accessibility to her beauty that I think makes a point of connection with the audience. Just when you think the movie's going to end, it continues on. Right. You think the whole boat thing is like the, the end. The boat thing's the end. Yeah. It just continues on. That uh, that you know all the the tropes you love from Batman, the gadgets, the cars, the bikes. They're all on full display, not, without feeling forced, and. Like I said, this this culmination of art and commerce. You think about the anticipation going into oh, that. Big time anticipation. People were ready to go. That was the movie. I went and saw it the day it opened, first showing of the day. I was that excited. It was incredible. When was the last time you saw a superhero movie at nine o'clock in the morning? <laughs> uh, I don't care how many times they throw Robert Downey Jr. in the suit. Brockman's not getting up not at getting 8 a.m. To, to go watch an Avengers and movie. And that was, that was back when I lived in Maine, and I, I wrote a movie review column for the local paper that I worked at, and it was I was so excited for this movie to come out. Nolan gets nominations for the film in all the technical categories, but it didn't get a Best Director, and it didn't get a Best Picture, and it deserved both. It deserved to win Best Picture. If you're telling me Slumdog Millionaire, which won that year, is a better movie than The Dark Knight, I will fight you right now in the mean streets of El Segundo. Let me tell you something, though. Slumdog Millionaire was great. Not better than The Dark Knight. Slumdog it, Millionaire is an incredible Slumdog movie. Slumdog Millionaire is pretty incredible. And I think that year I was a Ben Button guy, if memory serves. Is that yeah, the same ben, year? Yeah, ben, ben Button tied the record yeah. for 13 nominations. Frost Nixon, oh, Milk, and the we, we meet in the middle. Oh, my God. It's hard to say. What? Ben Button, that gets me, but didn't have a chance. <laughs> it did not have a chance. Did not have a chance that night. But, the, but, but you know, Heath Ledger, um, the performance, it builds to a crescendo. It's a patient performance. It's not loud. You know, I grew, I, my, the guy who played the original Joker on the first Batman, the Adam West one, Cesar Romero, mm -hmm. went to my high school, went to collegiate. Really? Yeah. And who didn't go to your high school? <laughs> a, a, a power forward who could go for 20 and 10 and help us beat Polly Prep. <laughs> But, but that performance, the Joker is so big. It's so showy. It's right. so loud on the old TV show. And even with Jack, what, what Jack did with it in the Tim Burton version, it's such a loud performance. Heath is subtle and it's disturbing and it's brooding and it's self-contained. And then, boy, when he walks away from the hospital exploding. Yeah. Yeah. And you think just chaos has taken over this well, city. Also, and that had a real funny moment, which I don't think was scripted, that he played with the... He played with the buzzer with the yeah. and it didn't work. The opening sequence, all those guys let wow. you know that he's ruthless. 
He'll he'll assassinate the people who are helping him take the money. It just shows just it gives you it gives you an insight into madness. And that what you said though about the character not being over the top. There's something to be said when someone talks to you in very just relaxed tones. Like in pro wrestling, as we talk about, it's always about the guy. You know, you want to yell, you want to let your opponent know what you're going to do. But then you had a guy like Jake the Snake Roberts, who was already like intimidating, carried the snake, and he was very calm. And he would look into the camera and he would tell you what he was going to do to you. And it would end with a DDT and he never had to raise his voice. And he was very like matter of fact. Talk about, about welcoming you into the mind of madness. Yeah. That guy went through a lot. So, you know, it's like, so when you have that Joker who's not over the top, but it's just like, yo, man, like this is, this is frightening right now. And he's sitting there and he's, he's been arrested. He's in jail. Like look on his face. And you know, he's getting out. Like he's sitting there <laughs> yeah, yeah. getting interrogated and he's just kind of, you know, loitering over the table and just brooding, and you just know that he's he getting just out. Starts the- now the mayor is kind of oddly cast. The mayor with the eyeshadow is kind of like doesn't have a mayoral dip- dis- disposition. He doesn't no, feel not really. Like, and I guess he's kind of a, a soft mayor. So that was maybe some of the intention is to kind of you know he's lost control of the city. Uh, Gotham's in chaos. Commissioner Gordon's really the one who's kind of in charge of things. Yeah. So I always thought that Mayor was an odd casting choice. But Nolan does a good job in his films with littering in the cast of supporting actors with some 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 jarring casting, like Matthew Modine in the third one. You're like, right. huh? There's some comfort there. I recognize right, I know him. him. I loved mm-hmm. Wind, best sailing movie of the last thirty <laughs> years. Um, but Private Joker. You know, right? Yeah, right, there you go. There, there are you know certain casting things that Nolan does in his movies, like Michael Jai White in The Dark Knight and Maggie Gyllenhaal, that just work. And yeah, it's 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 a tremendous film, still holds up. And like you said, should have gotten nominated, if not one, for best. Did picture. you say you were at the press junket for? All I did of that? the press junket for that, which you know, obviously, it was it was rather there's some sadness that kind of permeated through the press junket because. Yeah. You know the 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 awards run for Heath, which was a celebration of his life and his talents, that wouldn't come from till months after. Right. The movie came out in July, so everybody kind of knows the one guy on the call sheet who would have been there at the junket um, wasn't there. And I, I remember that being a challenge to to kind of get through, and just having to ask and talk about them. And Maggie being very moved, obviously. And I mean, that's yeah. It's I was at Sundance. I remember the day the news broke about his passing, and it's so sad. And it's just. He's a father, and it's the idea of what was to come. You know, I think that yeah. is the, the yeah. sadness as well as the life lost, but adds to the to the to the the aura of the film and the, the energy yeah. around the film. Um, and there was the line in the movie where they're you know they say they were going to do this for a long time with each other. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of wow. And and Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen show, talking about the 13th anniversary of The Dark Knight. That was, the, was that the last movie you went to, first showing? It's opening day. You didn't dress up like bugs over the weekend for Space Jam? <laughs> no. no. Although I remember seeing the first Daniel Craig Bond at the first showing that day, too. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited for that as well. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think with The Dark Knight. I saw the late show, actually, the night before the Thursday night showing of Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> they did it. They did a twelve oh one Thursday night into Friday morning. Random. I remember being very excited for snakes on. A I gotta plane. go back and read some of these reviews. <laughs> Something tells me that you might have been a prisoner of the moment on a few of them. I won a Maine Press Association Critics Award. Here he goes for Ghost Rider. Remember that terrible yes, Nick Cage yeah. movie. Nick Cage. Also oh, covered the junket for that movie. Oh, I, rem- right. I remember my key line. Well, I ran through a bunch of weird Nick Cage trivia. It was because like. 
what is this movie? And I also thanked Ava Mendez's cleavage, I think, for showing up in that movie. That, all, that kind of saved it. You know, I made my return to the movie theater last week while we were off. What did you see? First time in a year. Last movie I saw was May of 2020. I saw The Gentleman. Oh. Um, with McConaughey and so many questions about that experience for you. <laughs> but uh, May of 2020. I'm, I'm sorry, March no, no. of 2020. Okay, March of 2020. March of 2020. I was going to say, right, that was of the pandemic. You're like, I found there's no, no, a no, I'm sorry. showing of the <laughs> gentleman. <laughs> no, no, it was it was. Like, I just and Guy Ritchie. I just love him so yeah, much. March 2020, right before yeah. the, I think the week before everything went on lockdown. So I went right. and I saw a Zola movie last week. Zola's now, if nuts. you know anything about Zola, it's do you know about this I do. Movie? I saw it at Sundance two years ago now yeah. at this point. Started on Twitter. 2015, this girl wrote 150 tweets about taking Jeez. a trip from Detroit to Florida to go um, become an exotic dancer with a girl she just met at Hooters. And hilarity ensued. And it, these tweets blew up over Twitter. They were huge. Everybody was retweeting them. And I can remember going, man, this is a movie, and I'm going to go see it one day. So I was sitting around last week, and I was like... All right, I'm gonna go see this movie. There was four people in the theater, so I was pretty safe. And right. yeah, so it was like felt weird to be back in the theater. It'd been a, and over that's a, a year. weird movie too. That's a strange in-your-face Nick Braun from uh, Succession as a <laughs> car of Florida character in character. that movie. I mean, that movie. Dude. It's it's funny, but like I said, if you read the tweets right. and you know the story, it's definitely worth checking. There was a story that went around last week <laughs> that I saw people uh, tweeting about Trayvon Free, who won the Academy Award for a short film this year tweeted out an article. It was about three women who realized they were all dating the same guy. Hey, whoa. So what they did is they decided to go on a cross-country road trip, the three of them. Like, they became great friends and formed a relationship, and someone's like, oh, that, that's going to be a movie that comes out. But to your point about Ghost Rider and getting back to The Dark Knight, <laughs> there's so many superhero movies that were such hot garbage. Hot garbage. Just before terrible. Before that. You ever seen The Shadow with Alec Baldwin? Yes. Yeah. Remember Billy Zane? as some purple hero, the Phantom. <laughs> Phantom. It was the Phantom, Phantom. Right? DC was struggling oh, with their yeah. catalog. What was, what was Ben Affleck was, uh, was one before Batman? He was Daredevil. 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 Yeah. Colin Farrell as Bullseye. Bullseye, yep. Right? I mean, that's a, that has John Favreau in it, who's part of the superhero universe for resurrecting Marvel and, yes. and Iron Man. You got Affleck, who would go on to become Batman. So, you know, why didn't it work then? It didn't work for Phantom. It didn't work for... Ghost Rider did okay. I think they did a second they one. They did a second one, yeah. But it, it just seems like people weren't really into those uh, superhero movies back in the day or like when we were growing up, unless it was Superman or Batman. But even then, that was a and long Spider-Man, time. And Spider-Man, I guess, the Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, the big. Tobey ones, yeah. did, did really well. But I I, uh, I feel like the Dark Knight is the reason why we have the Marvel Universe. It's the reason why the Avengers are all over everything and Loki and Mackie and everybody's, you know, yeah. eating off the Avengers now. And that's because of the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight showed that you could go out there and get the respect of the greatest artists of a generation. Guys like, you know, Christian Bale and, and, and Christopher Nolan, just true visionary artisan. And they go out there and they're putting on capes and blowing up Gotham. And also, too, the success of Iron Man and how Robert Downey Jr. kind of just took over that character, I mean, just kind of paved the way. It shows that when you have, like, guys who buy in yeah. and they want to commit, they're able to elevate it for everybody. And the same thing is true for the NBA Finals. When you have a superstar who's going to Fashion Week, <laughs> it, it's hard to in inspire the teammates. Yes. But when you have a, a, a 
star like Giannis, who says, I don't look back, that's ego, I look forward, yeah. that's easy to get everybody to buy in and come along for that journey. And Giannis could have held the Bucks hostage last year and, and did one of those deals that we've seen guys do for the last decade, and he chose not to. He could have forced a trade to Golden State or Miami or any other of these teams. Like, think about it. He could have done. I don't think there was any chance of that happening, though. Probably not, but he could have done it. And I think that's the point. Like, Miami swept uh, or, or beat M- Milwaukee last year. He could have did what Kevin Durant did and just said, oh, I'm just going to go join them. And we're going to have this amazing super team. And Miami's going to win four of the next five titles. And. He was like, no, I'm staying here in Milwaukee. And and not only did he make the commitment, the organization made the commitment back to him. So right. it's like Warner Brothers with the Dark Knight saying, all right, Christopher Nolan, you got this vision here. We're going to give you the money to go get Aaron Eckhart. We'll give you the money to right. go get uh, make take over downtown Chicago and shut it down. Like The, the support was, yeah. was both ways. We're going to go get you Drew Holiday. Instead of a live look at the Phoenix Suns fan counting money, can we just go live to wherever Eric Bledsoe is watching the NBA Finals? Oh, man. He's, you know, the people on Twitter love to say someone's punching the air, RN. You have to imagine that's what Eric Bledsoe is. Can we get a Twitch stream of whatever salon Eric Bledsoe is, is in right now? Or he was, remember he was in the, he was getting a haircut when he wanted to get traded from the, from the Suns poor, to Milwaukee or Milwaukee poor, to the Suns or something? Eric Bledsoe, man. <laughs> Knicks will offer him four years, forty million, and very shortly, I'm sure. The team up with Zion, <laughs> that, that R.J. Barrett. Yes, that's what would happen. That's your big three: that's R.J. Big Barrett, three. Eric Bledsoe, Zion, and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, and then, and Zion gets hurt before Thanksgiving, and then we get the Knicks uh, marketing department telling us to vote for Eric Bledsoe for All Star. That's Stop that's it. that's our future. I don't want that for you, man. Uh, famous birthdays coming up next. It's Ben in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Streaming right now on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You and your dad watch football, and, and for years this has been going on? It's probably only been, maybe, it's just been recently, maybe the last three years. Okay, something like so what that. happens? We sit around, we watch the game, mm-hmm. uh, and whenever they uh, have a, uh, a shot of a head coach. The cutaway. The cutaway. Mm-hmm. We like to guess mm-hmm. what that individual is like as a stepfather. <laughs> Brockman, who's up first? Who do we have up first here? First up, Alabama head coach, Nick, Nick Saban. Nick Saban. What would, what, taking a look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban is yeah. the kind of stepfather that regardless of how uh, different he may seem to you, mm-hmm. in every single Christmas card yes. photo, 
His hair has been the exact same <laughs> since the since he married your mother. He's also the kind of stepfather that wears uh, uh, dress pants and then a you know a, a white tank top undershirt <laughs> all the time, unless he leaves the house and then he puts on the dress shirt. Ohio State head coach oh, yeah. Urban Meyer. What sort of stepdad would Urban Meyer be? Urban Meyer is really the kind of stepfather that's just always kind of confused <laughs> and is really, can never remember anybody's name. He'll always call Bobby Stevie yes. and Stevie Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. That's Who's not up? Jimmy, Dad. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Bobby. Whatever. Former 49er head coach, current Michigan head oh, coach, no. Jim oh, Harbaugh. Be gentle here. You'd be having a conversation with him. Mm -hmm. You think it's going really great. Mm -hmm. And then he just all of a sudden gets a look on his face and he goes, what was that? <laughs> and your heart just goes into your throat and you think you've, you, you've said something horribly wrong. And you instantly start thinking about all the things that you could possibly yeah. be getting in trouble sure. for. Do we have Tom Sula? Do we yeah, have we Tom? have a bonus line. Yeah, you got Tom Sula? You I've, got got this, yeah, I've got I've got this one. Your, what got about your current Niner head coach? He is the kind of guy that we, he will be having a conversation with you, and he'll never be looking at you. And uh, he'll be going, how was your day? You got a good day? And you start telling him how your day was. And then he'll always go, hey, honey, what's for dinner? <laughs> No matter what you're talking about, so you can me, be can bearing I, can we your try? soul. Can we try? Yeah, you'd be bearing your soul. Yeah. So uh, hold on a minute. So um, I'll be I'll be your stepson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, uh, how, uh, Richie, how, how was the day? That was great, uh, Dad. Let me tell you about what was going on. Hey, in honey, have you seen the clicker? <laughs> Where's the clicker? <laughs> I got. Sorry, Richie. No, no. I just was telling you about what I was doing in school. Me, me and my friends, we had this great time. Hey, today. did you throw out the paper, honey? <laughs> I, I didn't finish that crossword puzzle. You gotta have a talk with your mother. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Want to thank uh, Hallie Ledbetter from Golf Digest for joining us today. Ryan Hollins, ten-year NBA vet, breaking down the NBA Finals. Appreciate them taking some time. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Friday is a big deal, guys, in the sports world because it is the one night when the whole world comes together. The world's biggest show on the world's biggest stage, the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics, Friday, 7.30 on NBC. Friday, also another big day I found out in the sports world because we have not one but two birthdays big here on the Rich Eisen Show. Happy, yeah, happy early birthday, guys. It's exciting. Chris hey, and TJ. Yeah, man. 7-2-3 club. Uh, let's talk some more celebrity birthdays today. Benedict Cumberbatch turns 45. I feel like the Brits are allowed to play Americans, but the Americans don't get to play British. Yeah, British, British uh, actors are really good at doing the American accent, but when it goes the other way, it's just... Yeah, we, we don't see Ryan Gosling over there you know, playing somebody who works for the Queen. Was it Ryan, Ryan Gosling's Canadian? Yeah, that's right. He's not even American. Goss. <laughs> there you go. The goss. Uh, all right, uh, John Bones Jones, 34 today. It's a bad man. That's it? Does it seem young to you? Well, you know, he... Maybe it's just because he's been in our lives he, for so been, long. Yeah, I mean, he was, what, 23, I think, when he won? He was the youngest champ, right? Yeah, pretty sure. At so. that time? It does feel like yeah, he's a, a, a little young, but old in that sport. 
You know, you don't I see guess guys. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, on on there's no like TB12 for that sport. <laughs> um, John's John Jones's uh, regimen, I think, is very different than Tom Brady's. <laughs> Uh, Rick yeah, Ankeel turns 42. Didn't he have some of that Shohei stuff going on? Wasn't he like pitching and hitting? No? Well, he started out as a pitcher and then famously, the yeah. famously flamed out. Yeah, got the serious yips and then converted to an outfielder. And, and Shows you just back. again with Shohei just how incredible it is. I mean, I haven't seen it since literally. He hit another own. home run yesterday. He has 34, guys, 34. Now, I tweeted this out a little while ago, and I'm going to stand by it if he hits 62. He is my home run king. In the American League or just in general? For he's, everyone. He's my home run king. Single season if he had 62. Because what does that Sosa mean? and Maguire, Juice. Sosa, Maguire, Bonds, Bonds Juice. Juice. See ya. How many did Greg Vaughn hit that season? Did he hit 64? No, I think only Sosa, Maguire, Ruth, Maris. Yeah, Greg Vaughn's up there. Greg Vaughn hit 60 in a season? I don't know. No. He was flirting with it. Greg Vaughn. He might be your home run champ. In, nine, in, in, in 98, right, Greg right Vaughn? On. Greg Vaughn is in the mix. We All get right. some Greg Vaughn home run numbers here. Stand by. I'm, I'm pulling the show. that up right now. Stand by. Greg Good. Vaughn hit 50 in 1998. Oh, okay, not enough. All right. Yeah. Not enough. Not enough. 40, yeah. 50, 45. I mean, Greg yeah. Vaughn was on it because he went from 18 in to 1997 to 50. to 50 in 98, 45 and 99. Just change up the diet. He went plant-based. There was no Beyond Meat back then. That's all he did, right? He what are you talking some, about? Plant-based? Uh, Brady Anderson just kind of did some yoga. <laughs> Brett Boone. Did a little yoga in the offseason. Brett Boone was kind of the poster boy, too. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, 36. Hey, L.A. Man, that dude. Such a hooper. Such a shame to see his career end the way it did. Hall of Famer. I know, I know Brockman might throw a challenge flag. Hall of Famer on, the, on LaMarcus Aldridge? Got all the stats. Stop it. Got all the stats. Come on, all the bro. accolades. Get out. What accolades? <laughs> what do you mean? LaMarcus Aldridge? Seven-time NBA All-Star? How many All-Star games Great. do you have to I, make? I've made an All-Star game. I mean, come on. Hold on. I, because I knew it was his birthday, I did pull up some LaMarcus Aldridge stats here. Seven-time All-Star, five times All-NBA. Five times All-League. Dropped 20 a night for seven seasons? He's only 50 points shy of 20,000. Everybody scored 20,000 except for Tom Chambers. What is the hall? What is your quintessential put on a plaque and a statue of Marcus Aldridge moment? Survive three rebuilds in Portland? I don't know. <laughs> he did, did he play with the jail? How about this one? Has a, sweet ben, has a sweet Bentley in his garage in San Antonio. Is that you? Yeah, it's me in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Let me cruise around in his Bentley one day. He should be in the Hall of Fame for that. I'm a city that kid. I didn't have right. a driver's license until I was 25. Hey, me too. <laughs> wow, look at you guys. Thank you. I got I got. Are crepin. you kidding me right now? I, I'm, from Pe- I'm from Pennsylvania, so I moved here from Pittsburgh. I didn't get my license until two years living here. I had a learner's permit when I went to that intersection by the Beverly Hills Hotel that has nine <laughs> different roads. That's the worst, by the way, worst intersection on earth, and then it gets worse as you go south because that next light, that next block where there's no light, and you just have to rely on each car to go, all right, you went, now I'll go, now nah, you go. Like, nah. nah. And it's no, terrible now. One of us needs to go over there and take a picture and tweet this out so our audience knows what we're talking about. It's there horrible. are literally eight points of stops, and there's no light. So it's literally just like, okay, you're going? Okay, my turn. Yeah. Is it my Is it me? Is it you? It's amazing. Is it me? And you, and you know L.A., everyone's so in tune with each other's feelings and stuff. Everyone's very <laughs> sensitive as they head through the intersection there. But LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, let me drive his Bentley hey, around once in San Antonio. 
Uh, what other fun dates in history? Cy Young wins his 500th game. We talked about this uh, about two weeks ago. You want to talk about something that's never, ever getting even remotely close to being sniffed is that. Cy Young's record for wins. At this point, yeah, no one's going to win 300 anymore, let alone 500. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the award is named after him. Yeah. So I don't think anyone's going to clip that. But you're right, 500. Plus 300 used to be a holy grail for me. Holy in grail. Terms of for everyone. Yeah, 300 wins no one, we, in we the looked, hall. No one's getting 300. Yeah, I think we had Tom Glavin on a couple weeks ago, and that kind of what spawned it because he is one of the last guys. I think it's him and Randy Johnson are the last two to get 300 wins, and no one is even – oh, yeah, I wrote it down. No one is even sniffing – 300 wins right now. Justin Verlander is the closest at 226. What's Kershaw? Kershaw's got to be around uh, Kershaw 200. Kershaw is 184, oh, and he's 33 years old. Yeah, not, not even close. DL, so that's not happening. So we could have like make it like 225 instead of 300. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to bet Clayton Kershaw will be our last 200-game winner. Maybe him and Max Scherzer will be our last 200-game winners. Man, and that for the longest was the number three hundred and three handful of guys, and nope, not even close. Um, Old timey baseball stuff. Babe Ruth becomes the first player to hit thirty home runs in a season. Did that nineteen twenty on this day? Wow, on this day thirty, and Otani had thirty (laughs) three at the All Star break. Man, how come we haven't had the like who's better, Ruth or Otani? We've had the who's better. We've talked. We've compared him, saying we haven't seen anyone do what he's doing since Ruth, but who's actually better for the moment or at single? I don't know. I mean, obviously Ruth has had a longer career and a better career, but Otani does have, you know, have to play against Dominican players and black guys. So there's that that Ruth didn't have as well. True. When it comes to who's better, you always go backwards. Anyone from this era would dominate previous eras whereas the reverse is not always true. So only a handful of pa- players could dominate the current era. Like Jim Brown could play in any era. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Babe Ruth could, I think. Babe Ruth, I think, could play in, in any era. era. I think Although he, he could have been Steve Balboni. You don't know. <laughs> could have been, been Pete Cavillia. Yeah, Strong Mor- reference. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could have been any of those guys. But, I mean, I think the Babe's the greatest player ever. But I think Otani, if he played in 1920... Probably would we would consider him the greatest player of all. Uh, Mad Men 2007, that show came out on this day. Love that show. I will say I was late to it. I think I picked it up in season two. Not sure I knew what it was because it was when it first started on AMC. Great open. You're just kind of like, what is? Why is this black and white guy just falling from the? Kind of, kind of what I was expecting the office vibe to be here. I was here for all week. (laughs) The studio Ben was uh, when it was designed. The thought was Mad Men. Yeah. So yes. that was the thought behind the studio. We definitely have booze everywhere, and like we could definitely start smoking. <laughs> no, on this set, they don't have to. bottles of great scotch. They have Josh Allen Cheerios they have <laughs> on, on this set here. There's no cigarettes. There's Terrell Owens O's. We have yeah. seven-year-old $2 wine everywhere <laughs> off camera. There it are got- actually bottles of whiskey and bourbon around real, if we want to get a little frisky. Later. Real quick, I just want to say an R.I.P., to the late great Biz Marquis, who passed away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that guy, just in terms of hip hop legends. Legend. And I saw something on Peter Rosenberg's uh, uh, podcast where he talked about he loved being the guy who stayed in touch with everybody. And I the think biz. that's something that we can all aspire to be in life, in our quick, own life, to quick, touch base with everybody. Quick Biz Marquis story. I was at a NBA All-Star party in Philly in 2001 at like a natural history museum. They had a T-Rex bones there. People start 
trying to climb on it. Bismarcky stopped the party and said, if you guys don't get off the dinosaur, I'm shutting the party down. And I was like, this is amazing. Rest in peace <laughs> to the legend, Bismarcky. We hope you join us again tomorrow. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on The Rich Eisen Show.